Hi, I'm Albion Lyons. And I'm Doug Weiss. And welcome to Love Life. So Douglas, we have a really interesting question this week that really speaks to, I think, in our current society, um, where many people find themselves in terms of questioning a few things. And specifically, this question is about empathy as a lost virtue. The question is, in our world today, how has our preoccupation with ourselves made it harder for us to create lasting and real relationships? Mm. What do you think? Wow. Well, uh, you know, this is a, a topic I've been thinking a lot about lately because I, like many people, I've I've watched a broad decline. Mm. And I'm not saying mm. something here I think anyone would really debate. In, Absolutely. In the civility with which we treat each other. But this is a particular form of it. It's a kind of monomaniacal, if you want to take it to an extreme. But even in everyday life, you know, I see things that happen. And, it, and it's kind of a subtle form. It's the person who's so busy texting uh, or talking on the phone that they will keep people waiting in a line at a grocery store. Right. Or it's the, the other day I was at the gym and... Uh, I was working out and I had a set of weights and I was doing a rotation going through three different exercises and somebody sat down at the machine that I had been using and started using the free weights and when they were done, they packed it all up as if I had not been doing that. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I'm sure that if I had said something to this individual, he probably would have said, oh, gee, sorry. But it was such a stark contrast to the fact that at the same time, in, in that very same uh, session, um, somebody had come over to me and said, are you using that right. particular right. machine? And I said, I am. I've got two more sets. But if you'd like to work in with me, we can do that. And we did. And it was, it was just you know, perfectly fine. Um, so some people seem to have a kind of radar Right. Um, that allows them to be sensitive to and aware of people around them. And other people seem, well, their radar doesn't seem to be functioning as well. <laughs> Let me just say that. But I think it starts with a whole question. I mean, th this the subject of empathy, you know, to feel for someone else mm -hmm. means you first have to even be aware of them. You have to be able to put yourself in their place. And I do think that, that we live in a time where we are much more preoccupied with what I think, what I feel, what I want, mm -hmm. a lot of I going on here, and not much you or we. us. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I do think that that's something that's uh, uh, the, you know, the, the, the rise of a kind of not constructive ego. There are times when to uh, emphasize one's ego is a constructive thing, a healthy thing. But this strikes me as something which uh, is not, and I see it more and more these days, and I'm not the only one. <laughs> I, many uh, people I know have, have made comment about their sense that things have changed. There's a, a famous book, um, uh, called Bowling Alone by a Harvard psychologist. Uh, it takes its title from the idea that, that we've lost that kind of uh, collective societal activity mm. and with that, a sense of reciprocity, being part of a group. 
and it, so more people are bowling alone. alone, not you know, not in a league or not as part of a group. Right. Um, I, I, this is an interesting topic, and 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 certainly when it comes to relationships, I, I guess I'm stunned because it, I cannot see how one can be in relationship with anyone, much less, and not to get off on my pet subject here, <laughs> but in relationship with God, without feeling empathy. Right. The ability to connect one with another beyond oneself. And then as the the uh, listener who sent us the question uh, was referring to at that next level, then the effect that has on our ability to create real relationship with anybody else, lasting relationship for that matter, which is really speaking to the coming out of the I that you were referencing previously to even consider the possibility of an us or a we. And when first I can't see you, Mm -hmm. then the likelihood of me being able to feel anything associated with you. And then when nurtured in an environment that we are in right now, we are, my generation and younger in particular, are very connected to social media. So this whole virtual world that is consumed with the image that I put up and how many people like Mm -hmm. my image, how many people worship me through these affirmations of likes and loves and clicks and shares and all of these things that are are the ultimate superficiality of what it means to connect with another individual and how quickly you see things like oh I love you you're so amazing you're such a great person you're so fabulous and none of these people really know each other all of this is completely contrived you know you took 19 pictures before you posted the one that we finally saw Mm -hmm. you know like none of this stuff is organic in any form or fashion and yet we believe this synthetic feedback that says that somehow we're worthy of something as a byproduct of these affirmations or not worthy of something as a byproduct of the deafening silence by not getting those affirmations and then we try to engage in real relationships with people where we now are looking for you to make me feel the way these virtual things made me feel. And you have a series of these inorganic and synthetic connections that really are void of empathy and, and real investment one in another and seeing and feeling somebody else in any real way. So to the invisibility that you were speaking of before when I'm so consumed with myself, it is virtually impossible to even acknowledge the presence and then secondarily the feelings of somebody else. I've been thinking uh, about this question and I'm going to make a statement and see what your reaction is to it. Okay. (laughs) I've come to the the tentative conclusion. I haven't banged the gavel on this yet. (laughs) But I've come to the tentative conclusion that empathy is learned. It is not innate. Mm. Mm. That we don't just come into this world uh, with a sensitivity to others. Mm. That, in fact, we come into this world with a self-awareness or we grow into self-awareness. But to learn to see through someone else's eyes, to feel or at least imagine what they're going through 
what they're experiencing is something that we have to learn. So my that that's my assertion, and my question to you is, if you believe that's true, and I'm not saying that you do, but if you do, how do you cultivate that? How do you teach people to be empathetic? Hmm. That's such an interesting proposition. Um, because I'm now thinking about all of the young people, the babies, the small children turning into young children, turning into teenagers, turning into adults, all that I have watched over the years. And I, I actually think that there may be some merit to your assertion, because when I think about um, the little people in my life and watching them take things from others and not care what the mm-hmm. other person mm-hmm. thought about it. And that, you know, what my need is right now is the most important need. And, you know, when I drop this on you or I hit you with that, if it if I was satisfied and I'm fine, who cares about you? You know, that it it is the adults very often who are stopping to say, hey, be nice. You know, you stepped on such and such. Say that you're sorry. You know, you 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 poke the dog, rub the dog, be gentle. You know, like that each of those things are very much taught. So I would actually have to agree with you that I cannot think of a single incident or experience in which I have seen empathy shown that was completely organic for that child. Mm -hmm. I can't think of one. I was talking to a colleague um, not that long ago. His young daughter. And uh, she came home from school and uh, she had been the victim, if you will, <laughs> if one could be a victim as a two-year-old child in kindergarten, um, <laughs> or, or not a two-year-old, but a, a five-year-old, a five-year-old right. in kindergarten. <laughs> and my age is mixed up. Uh, she, she'd been playing with something and, and another little girl came over and, and, and took it away from her and, and behaved badly. Mm-hmm. And she brought it up at the dinner table and mom and dad said, well, how do you feel about that? And she was angry mm. as you would expect of course, to be. Right. And, and they said, well, why do you think this little girl did that? And it kind of stopped her dead in her tracks because she in fact hadn't thought about right. why this little girl. So then she went through explanations in her mind. She kind of rehearsed out loud various reasons why perhaps this little girl might have done that. Interestingly, none of them were, uh, you know, because she's a bad person. Right. You know, adults do that. <laughs> we we, we, yes, we use labels with each being. other. Right. right. But, but she didn't, she didn't have a label. She, she, she tried to find some five-year-olds rationale, logic, logic rationale, right. you know, for why this had happened, which I found interesting because it's, what it said to me is that the, the capacity for empathy exists in us, but it needs direction. It needs some external impetus to say, why do you think? So when we're having vigorous debates about any topic between people and they're deeply charged, emotional how do you stop that long enough to say to both parties, why do you think that person feels so strongly in their direction? Mm-hmm. Even if you don't agree with it, but why do you think that they do? What is it about their life experience? What is it about uh, what's happened to them 
that's brought them to that perspective. Because if we can't get to that root, mm-hmm. you know, then all we're going to do is hurl ideologies at each other. We're just going to we're going to shout be from our corners. Yeah, right. We'll just keep shouting from our corners, and that's the death of empathy. Oh, absolutely. And quite frankly, you know, as we talk about that, this in layers, what we're doing out there, we are doing in here, mm-hmm. you know, and before you know it, it becomes the culture of our intimate relationships that I cannot see beyond myself to be able to connect with what you may be going through and experiencing. So all of these are sort of reflecting each other. What we're doing at home is affecting what's going on out there. What's going on out there is affecting what we're doing at home. And we're modeling all of that for generations coming behind us. So the quality of relationships, the quality of relationship itself is negatively impacted you know, by I, that. I, I had the experience and I, and I blogged about this um, of watching a, a very pious individual do something very despicable. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was so bad that it actually cost someone their job. Oh, wow. And and it was unfair. It was wrong. It was gossip mongering of the highest order. It was based on absolute fabrication. Mm. But sometimes things get a life of their own. And mm-hmm. in the end, um, a friend of mine decided to leave his employment rather than endure what was happening. What was happening. Mm. He took the high the high road here. Mm. Didn't have to, but he's a man of principle. And it came out that the things that were being said were absolutely in controvertibly untrue Mm. and I was I gotta tell you I was pretty mad I'm sure and uh, and Peggy said to me you need to forgive him you need to you need to let go Mm. you need to pray for him (laughs) boy there's a stretch (laughs) maybe I maybe I can forgive him I'm not sure about praying for him (laughs) you know I'm not going to go out and have a cup of coffee with this guy, right? <laughs> but I did. I did pray on it because she encouraged me to. Right. And and I thought about in the course of that, it it brought me around to thinking about: Have I ever done something, advertently or inadvertently, that caused somebody pain? Pain. Mm-hmm. And the answer is tr- yes. Mm-hmm. I have. Mm-hmm. There's no question about it. So w- where am I to sit in judgment of this? Someone else, right. You know, I've walked in his shoes. Mm -hmm. And and the more I thought about that, the more I had to step back and say, look, we're never going to be fast friends. Um, It's not my place to forgive you. God's already forgiven him as he's forgiven me all the things I've done. Mm -hmm. Um, He's got to live with what he did. Right. And maybe that'll have importance in his life. Maybe it won't. I don't know. Right. What I can do is to have empathy. Mm-hmm. I can try to understand why he did that. And at the, at the very least, there had to have been some things that happened in his life that brought him to that, that caused him to feel that the only way he could feel good was by making somebody else feel bad. And we have to be careful as human beings that we don't, judge others by their actions, but expect people to judge us by gracious intention. Mm. And empathy is what informs that. 
our ability to connect with another person and to see the world through their lens. That's Love Life. Another episode. (laughs) And the meaty one at that. (laughs) We want to thank you for listening to Love Life. We want to thank Todd Washburn, our recording engineer, Barbara Hamley, our producer. And we hope you'll join us again next week for another episode and another exciting topic. See you then. Bye.